Hi, I'm Lucas James. And I'm Jordan Ross. And I'm AJ Casada. And we're the co-hosts of How to Scale an Agency. After scaling our own agencies to over $185,000 per month in sales and working with agencies doing hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue like Hawk Media and Neil Patel, we've made this show to interview the top digital marketing agency owners and highlight the fastest ways to scale your agency. If you would like to join a community of like-minded agency owners and scale your business while doing so, go to eightfigureagency.co forward slash call to explore options on how we can help you scale your agency. have a really cool conversation today. Softwares that you probably know and probably use. I know that I know them. We have Thibaut, the co-founder of Taplio and both Tweet Hunter. He did just acquire Typeframes as well. He's CTO, head of tech, head of development of these softwares. And yeah, for Thibaut, for people that do know your softwares or don't know your softwares, who are you? What do your softwares do? And yeah, what should the listener know before we get into this conversation? Thanks for inviting me. That's that's super nice. I guess like very quickly, I've just built software for myself. And I did that because I realized that Twitter was basically the main source of traffic for every experiment that we did. And so I wanted to to grow a Twitter audience. And there were basically no no powerful tool to do that at the time. And so that's why I build a Tweet Hunter. It's basically a software to help you grow a Twitter audience. So as a business owner, you can make more sales. That's it. And Taplio, I know Taplio through Alex Berman. I'm a huge fan of his. Was this your software that you built? Was he building it? He reached out to you. Is there someone else involved? How'd you get into Taplio? But the thing is, Tweet Hunter worked so well that we basically wanted to do the same thing with with LinkedIn. And so, and that's what we did. We did this awesome thing with Tweet Hunter where we we partner up with um, Twitter Influencer and it worked so well that we just did it again with the Taplio and LinkedIn. And that's how we got. And that was JK Molina for Twitter. So it's interesting because this is like the Logan Paul model, right? With um, his beverage. Did you guys develop the software, then you reached out to JK and say, hey, we want you as a co-owner and a partner in this business? Is that what you're saying? No, definitely not. Like We just we just wanted him as a customer. I just DM'd him saying like, hey, we, we got this, this cool software. I think it's relevant for you. Can you just try it and give us feedback? And he had this awesome reaction where he said, this is so cool. I want to be in. This is totally unexpected for us. Like we had no idea how to react and we just thought a little bit and uh, it, it worked out. Like we, we found a deal and we started working together. And even if we we disagree a lot on many things, but his work on Twitter was, was awesome. Like he really knows how to convert and to brand a product. And so the, the success of Twitter is he, he had a lot to do with it. That's really cool. That's making me think about like, I get hit up all the time. Hey, you're working with agencies. We have this agency software. I never reply ever, but that now I'm going to start replying. Hey, if you want me to be the Logan Paul of your software or the JK Molina for Tweet Hunter, I'll look at it, but I'm only going to do it for equity. Um, very interesting. And 
on your Twitter, it says building Tweet Hunter and Taplio to 10 million AR, but then you have in parentheses sold. What does sold mean under that context? Have you sold it already or you're trying to build it to sell it for 10 million? It's been acquired um, about 18 months ago to the um, team behind Lemlists. Oh, legit. Are They're also French, yeah? Yeah, and that's the thing is when we started building Twitter and Tapio from the very beginning, the intent was to to sell. It really didn't go as expected. Like it, it grew much faster and we, we worked on it much longer. But when we started looking for buyers, it was all those those companies, foreign companies from India, from the US, Canada, big companies like HubSpot with very different culture than us. And it was very hard. The thing is what we really didn't expect is that all those guys, they were expecting us to stay two years in business, like this burnout period. And that's something that we really didn't anticipate. And when we started talking with Guillaume from uh, Empire, it was a huge culture fit. Like we had same age, same language, same country. We're pretty much running the company in the same way. Yeah, he's cool too. I've seen him stuff on YouTube. He seems like a really nice, cool guy as well, beyond just all the business stuff. So. Are you guys in the same city in France as well or different cities? Yeah, kind of. The thing is that we, we were in middle school together when we were at 13. Did you know each other in middle school or no? Yeah, we're in the same class. Like we have we have this 13-year-old's uh, class picture where we were together and then we lost track of each other. We didn't talk for like 10 years, 15 years, I didn't know. Crazy. Wow, what a cool story because... I mean, I would say for me as an American, he's probably the best known French software founder for me, right? When I think about, like you said, Lemless, I'm like, oh, he's also French. Like I knew it immediately, like, cause I've seen this stuff and you two were in the same class. So how did that sale go? Did they reach out to you? Did you reach out to them? Did you have a broker? Like what, how did you guys get back in contact? Because I could imagine that first conversation is like, you got into a meeting and it's like, oh my God, what's up? That's the thing, like I reached out to him like a year before setting. So that's why it went so smoothly. It lets we, we had like two or three times lunch together, just talking about our businesses. And I think on the third one, I just mentioned that we were setting the business, we're looking for buyers. And this guy, you, you probably noticed, but he grew his entire company from personal branding. So it was like instant match. Like he totally understand the business. He did this big bets because it was, it's very risky. Honestly, like not a lot of people would have bet on us because like we are very, very dependent on LinkedIn and Twitter and we, we could be killed very fast by those platforms. But he did it and I'm pretty sure like he was so right. Like we grew more than four times since the acquisition happens in terms of revenue. So. That was nice. That's awesome. When you sold your company, obviously like the HubSpot went to you say for two years, did you have a deal with him for how long you have to stay? Yeah, two years. Okay, so with him though, it's like you're willing to stay two years because it's your friends, you know each other. Exactly, we trust each other. That is one of the best stories I've ever heard on a personal level, like the story that I've heard. That's amazing. So. You're coming up on your, you're in your last six months. You got acquired 18 months ago. You're coming up on your last six months. What happens now? Like you scaled these, these businesses to really good revenue numbers. And obviously the, I would imagine the exit, that's a, that's a, 
I guess would be an eight-figure exit, at least my assumption. What's that like as an entrepreneur selling for an exit like that, an eight-figure exit? What's that feel like? How does that change you, if anything? That's super tough question to answer. Honestly, so it's a mixed feeling between peace of mind, because basically you know that your family is safe and it's going to be okay. Bunny will probably never be an issue ever again, as long as you do your strategy right. Yeah, it's not huge exit, it's like very, very low eight figures. But yeah, you, you, you have some money on, on the side and it's okay. But at the same time, it's, I want to do it again. Basically, I want to build new project. I want, that, that's why I, I acquired Typeframe. And so the acquisition built this huge pressure where now you are identified as a somewhat successful entrepreneur and you like you have to live uh, with this turned out like you cannot disappoint you, you have to yeah you're you no longer this stuff. but in software you know that's not always the case and by the way the next time you go to ever build and you want to sell i have a i have someone that I'm, i do business with he buyers and sells businesses he built and sold six software companies his last software business was doing nine figures in annual revenue he sold to Facebook and before they were meta, he had sold to Facebook, he sold to Apple. So he sold companies to the biggest you know, tech companies in the world. So whenever you, in the future, you have something that you wanna sell, you now just, you now know, you know, you now know me on a personal level, just ping me. Because I think you said what really matters, right? You sold to someone you trust. And for those of you listening, right? The average seller, 80% of, founders that sell their business do not receive their full earn out. I don't know if you know this, Tebow. I don't know if you saw that statistic before. 80%. So you sold to someone you trust. Most people sell to someone they've never met, right? They meet them through this experience. So 80%. So I think it's so critical. Like when you're going to sell your business, the person that's buying it's doing a lot of diligence into you. You have to do not as much, but you have to do diligence on this person because there's a strong likelihood, 80% likelihood, you're not going to receive your full earn out. So the reason I say this for you, you know, you're very early days with tight frames, but when you, uh, if you ever in the future want to sell software, the company, just, I know a guy that buys companies and he's very good, very trustworthy. So this is such a cool um, thing to say, because I totally see it. Like how this earn out in our case is, is really tied to revenue growth. How can you expect to control this revenue growth if you don't have the trust from the buyer in how you would operate the company? That's why why uh, it's working very well with Guillaume is that this guy totally trusts us on driving the business and we are we have a lot of autonomy in how we drive it. One of the hardest things as an agency owner is building a team that can actually execute without needing you and deliver results that you could trust to learn things fast and deliver every single time. The reality though, most of us can't afford top tier talent. And even those of us who can afford top tier talent doesn't know how to get the best talent to work for us. That's why I built the eight figure funnel. I've been able to hire over six eight-figure COOs and convince them to come work for me to help my clients grow. 
guys that have already been there and done that, that have run 20, 30, 50, $80 million a year companies working for someone who's not even 30 years old. I've put this all into a simple ebook so you can do exactly the same thing. If you want access to this ebook, go to eightfigureagency.co forward slash value and grab one of my best pieces of free content that I've ever released today. Hey there, this is Jordan Ross, your host of How to Scale an Agency, and thank you so much for listening. If this podcast has given you any value, if you listen to it weekly or you're just tuning in on a blue moon, please like and subscribe and give us a good review. Reviews are the easiest way that we can help other agency owners expand their information, their knowledge, and grow their companies, which is why we do this. We do this to help each and every one of you make business growth simpler. So, like I've said, if you've received value, we do not promote our podcasts any other way except through word of mouth. We don't have sponsors because we want to keep this as high level for you as possible. If you could return just a little bit of a thank you back to us, we would so greatly appreciate it. Now, let's get back to the show. So let's kind of change gears now. You built and sold a company. I'm on your Twitter page on my other screen. I mean, your thread that you dropped today six hours ago. I have faced two shutdowns, one bankruptcy, seven widening years of hustle to finally have my first win a $10 million acquisition. Here are my seven tips. It's a great hook. Do you still write all of your own content? Do you have ghostwriters? Like, what's your content strategy look like? I participate in every piece of content. I have uh, researchers working for me. So this one, I wrote it entirely. I have a researcher working with me when uh, I want to cover very interesting topics, like very um, in-depth journey of an entrepreneur, something like that. But yeah, I really want to be very close to my Twitter audience. So most of the thing that goes out, it's, it's from me. How'd you find your researcher? Because one of the things I've made a decision on very recently, for every piece of content, at least for threads now, for threads, all my threads, I want them to be going to my newsletter. I want it to be able, not everyone, but like the really good ones, I'm writing one about how to onboard employees. I want this to be like ebook worthy. I want it to be so good that this is the only thing you ever need to go to to learn how to onboard employees the right way. It used to take me an hour to write a good thread, like really, really good thread. People reach out to me, threads are so good, they're so valuable. And now it's taking me like five times, at this, five, six, seven times at to sit down to write this. I feel like I have writer's block. And having someone research on my behalf, because a lot of times it's, I just need to pull out of my brain how to do that. And then I need to go find all the resources I need. To, here's a good YouTube video of this one step. Here's a good picture of how to do that. Here's a template for this thing. That takes a lot of time. How did you find this researcher? What do they do? And uh, are they French? Obviously they speak English because your threads are in English. <laughs> Tell me about that. But this, like you are asking the, the perfect question, in my opinion, this is a nightmare, like finding trustable, reliable person to work with as a researcher is so difficult. And like what I did is, is basically just open my Twitter DMs and basically just answering to people reaching out to me saying that they wanted to do that for me. And honestly, like 99% of the people who do that, they're not good. What, what I did is just just did a quick test, asked them to write for me, and 
I picked the best, in my opinion. Is this person full-time or are they part-time with Frio? Definitely part-time. They have multiple clients. Do they have available capacity for someone else to hire them? Yeah, maybe. That can work out. I don't know. <laughs> the thing is, the quality of the content that's being shipped from a, a researcher can very vary from time to time. And that's you, you don't know if it's because uh, they just have a bad day or if they have just their mindsets just taped or just going to another focus. I don't know. Yeah. I could even relate right now myself. I'm finding writing hard right now. I could only do, I do my best writing in the morning and I try to write in the afternoon. I'm like, this is hard. Now, because I'm writing textbook level content, like it's really, really, really good. It's so much harder. It's like, it feels like 5X harder. I feel exactly this. Like morning is, is when it works. The thing is I need to code too. So I need to pick for every morning, which is like my optimal performance working time. I need to pick between coding and building stuff and writing. And sometimes it's, it's very hard to pick. Oh yeah. So that's a good segue because you've built and sold one software company. Is Taplio sold as well? You sold them as a pair. Is that right? It's both were products of the same company and we, we sold this company. Look at that. So Alex Berman. JK Molina, they get their exit. You recently bought Type Frames. So is that the only business you now own or do you have other businesses too? Well, I'm, I'm still uh, heavy on Twitter and Tapio, but I, I don't own them. And and yes, Type Frame is the only business that I, that I own. I'm quite happy about it because like um, it was a small acquisition. Like it was not generating any recurring revenue. Now it's a little bit above 6K in monthly recurring revenue, which is starting to be quite okay. It's starting to be break-even. And so I don't know where, where it can go, but video editing is super competitive and also super exciting right now. Yeah, I'm pulling it up to look at it. So let's, let's go through and you, you sell your company. You're an employee for two years. You have six months left. What is that like? from the moment you go from owner to employee? Like what's that first month or two like as someone who builds and sells? Like what happens after that? The truth is that pretty much nothing nothing happens. Like <laughs> we continue to operate the business exactly as we did before. That was a little bit weird, by the way. We asked for so much autonomy that we had just 100% autonomy. So we, we didn't even had any integration or anything. So just six months after the acquisition, we just some kind of ring the bell that we, we, we just had like everything around the table had a strong interest in starting talking about integration. And we did a few things like um, we built bridges between the products and that's, that's working quite well. We are not sure yet that we're gonna leave the company in six months, but we're starting to prepare for it if if it happens. That's a stressful period, like to start giving away the baby, you know, something that we spend yeah. so much time on. So what what are you doing to get ready to leave? Because it's not two things. That question, but I actually wanted to ask a before question. So it sounds like when you were in negotiations, you said we need autonomy to keep developing how we want to. What advice would you give to someone listening that, what'd you learn about the, those negotiations that you would 
be willing to share to someone. I did a bit of research and I didn't find the exact number that you shared earlier about like 80% of founders don't, don't get their earn out, but I heard a few stories and all the stories that I heard is founders not getting their earn outs because it was tied to revenue and they had absolutely no control over how to operate the products or the company. And so it was basically this, it got to these conflicts where they were saying, yeah, we didn't hit the revenue targets, but that's because we couldn't do what we wanted to do with the product. So that that's not our fault and we deserve the full earnouts. And those stuff, they, they go to uh, courts or like they're hard to settle, I don't know. So that was one thing that we wanted to cover and, and I would advise to cover it properly if you, if you just want to be acquired. Interesting. Okay, so really do your diligence go thorough, reach out to T-Bone on Twitter. Okay, we, we got a few more minutes left. I, I want to talk about Typeframes because Typeframes seems really cool. What is Typeframes, the business you recently acquired? Basically, um, you have plenty of uh, video editing tools out there, but when you suck at making videos like me, you want a tool that not only edits videos, but only also like helps you make video or generate video. And that's what Typeframe is about. It's basically a tool that will help you go into videos by help you making them out of nothing. You can just start with text, start with an intent, and Typeframe will uh, generate video footage for you. It will uh, just animate the text in a way that makes it dynamic. Very nice. It's I'm gonna test it. I'm gonna test it out uh, after this call. Cool. And this is the very beginning of the project, so feel free to share anything that I can improve. You know what I'm going to say? So I told you, I, I still use Hype Fury, even though I think after this call, I'm going to move back over to Tweet Hunter. I found it really frustrating. So I joined Hype Fury. I, you know, I met the founder. We had a call. He was considering hiring us. It didn't work. But there were so many bugs. When I would use it, I would keep telling them the issues. And eventually, they just stopped replying. I'm like... I'm doing you the biggest service ever. I'm telling you every bug that I find. I'm telling you every issue. I'm telling you how me, the users, to make it better. And I think they got annoyed. I was doing it respectfully. I want to say that. I wasn't like an annoying user. I was like viewing it as, I want this product to work better for me. How do you feel when people reach out to you as the founder when you get feedback? Is there ever too much feedback from when you have a product? The truth is, I think for at least a year on Twitter, the support button in Twitter was directing people directly to my DMs on Twitter. And that was, I think, the best way to improve the product. I was getting uh, feedback and in real time trying to fix the bug or improve the UI a bit. And when I was able to like ship the improvement in less than 20 minutes, like the, the feeling it gives to users, it's just awesome. Raving fans, because not only are they a fan of their product, they're a fan of you. Wow, I'm a huge fan of you now, Tebow. I just want to let you know, I'm a big fan. I'm excited that we got to meet today. So final question, and I'm going to let you go. Type frames. What do you hope for this new software? I'm looking at it. It seems really cool. You could upload text. You could upload video. We'll edit it for you. But what do you hope from this software? Good question. It's honestly, I think, I'm not sure I would want to set it in the way that setting a product is 
is a stressful period. I would rather have a software with uh, slow, continuous growth, high profit margin that is sustainable in the long term, low churn. So I, I hope that it can sustain my uh, way of living, my family, and that I can have happy customers. Cool. Very nice. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. So Tivo, for everyone that they're intrigued by this conversation, they want to check out Typeframes, they want to check you out, where can they find either Typeframes, Tweet Hunter, Taplio, or your Twitter? Where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter. I think that's the, my most active platform. I'm Tebow underscore maker there. And I share pretty much everything that I'm learning there. So hope that's going to be interesting. Awesome. And for the final shout out, why should people check out your Typeframe software? Mm, because it's going to be the best video making software out there. I hope so. Boom. You guys heard it here first. Awesome. Well, Tebow, thank you so much for coming in. This was a really nice conversation. I really had a good time. And I'm, I'm glad we, we got to do it. Thank you very much, Jordan. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of How to Scale an Agency. It would mean the world if you could like, subscribe, and comment on this podcast so more people can find it organically or share it with a friend. If you're looking to scale your agency and you need help, you're looking for a true partner, go to eightfigureagency.co forward slash call. My business has been built on becoming fiduciaries for other companies. We are going to be your partner where I will bring in my eight-figure talent to help you grow working side by side. If you need help with that, go to eightfigureagency.co forward slash call or like, share, subscribe to the pod. Thank you so much. I'll catch you on the next episode.